Without further ado, let's get into our time together. As I mentioned before, thanks for taking some time out of your holiday from the pool or from the grill to reflect a little bit on the story of Jesus. But before we go further, I want to pray for our nation and for our leaders on this 4th of July. The truth is, if you are a follower of Jesus, your primary citizenship is in the kingdom of God, and you happen to be a citizen of America. We're grateful for this opportunity. We're grateful for this nation. But the order matters. We are kingdom citizens who happen to be Americans, and we're grateful and we're called to be prayerful. So I want to begin our time praying because Paul, who is one of the uh, apostles of the church who wrote most of the New Testament, he wrote a letter to his protege Timothy saying, when you gather together in church, here's what you guys ought to do. So in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul writes this, I urge then First of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. Then he says, for kings and for all those in authority. That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. As I said a moment ago, we are kingdom citizens who happen to be Americans who are called to be grateful and prayerful. He says, I urge you to pray for everybody, and he highlights kings and those in authority. Did you know that part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus is to pray for our leadership in our country? And during this pandemic, during all of this unrest, during all of this division, I'm calling you and me to pray today for our nation, and for our president, for our governor, for our mayors, and all of our elected officials. Now, I want to pray this way from a book of common prayer, the book of common prayer. This is for our leadership, the way Paul asks us to pray. So prayer is a soul at attention before God. When we pray together, we're all at attention together before God. Would you pray with me as I pray these words from the book of common prayer? Join me in a word of prayer. O Lord, our governor, bless the leaders of our land that we may be a people at peace among ourselves and a blessing to other nations of the earth. Lord, keep this nation under your care. To the president and members of the cabinet, to governors of states, mayors of cities, and to all in administrative authority, grant wisdom and grace in the exercise of their duties. Give grace to your servants, O Lord. To senators and representatives and those who make our laws in states, cities, and towns, Give courage and wisdom and foresight to provide for the needs of all our people and to fulfill our obligations in the community of nations. Give grace to your servants, O Lord. To the judges and officers of our courts, give understanding and integrity that human rights may be safeguarded and justice served. Give grace to your servants, O Lord. 
And finally, teach our people to rely on your strength and to accept their responsibilities to their fellow citizens, that they may elect trustworthy leaders and make wise decisions for the well-being of our society, that we may serve you faithfully in our generation and honor your holy name. For yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Amen. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Would you join me this day before you go to bed in praying for President Trump, praying for Governor Abbott, that they would have wisdom and that the kingdom of God would come on earth as it is in heaven and that they would rule and govern justly and wisely. Amen. Well, I hope you join me in Acts chapter 3. We're looking at a healing story. I love these kinds of stories, and I hope you stick with me, because we're going to see three invitations. The first is to give our attention. The second is to give what we have. And the third is to give outsiders a way in. It's all about giving, and we're going to see a dramatic gift of healing in Acts chapter 3. You with me there? Have you swiped there or opened up a new tab? Hear the word of the Lord in Acts chapter 3. Tonight I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Mix it up a little bit. Acts chapter 3. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Let's pause real quick. It's interesting that the Jesus community is still following the prayer rhythms of the Jewish community at the temple. The three o'clock hour of prayer was one of two big ones throughout the day where people would gather together at the temple. This one was after an offering and it was a big deal. So you can imagine with lots of people going in and out, you can imagine why this guy we meet in a minute is going to be parked right at the entrance. Verse two, and a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the beautiful gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. Now pause there. You got religious people going to a religious service. Hopefully, they're religious enough to spare a few coins for this man who's lame from birth. We don't know how. We don't know if he's paralyzed. We just know it's been his whole life. And he's got some friends that will get him to that gate because his only means of getting a buck or two was to beg for these religious folks at the temple. Now, verse 3. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. What do you think is going through this dude's mind? Ooh, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. But Peter raises him up. And Luke, who wrote Acts, tells us immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And to prove his point, verse 8, jumping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. 
All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. I love that Luke says used to. You know, like two minutes ago when they walked past him on their way into the temple? Yeah, he used to be that guy over there. But there's something dramatic that's happened here, and Luke wants us to see it. So, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened to him. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. I'm asking you to give what you have. We see these three invitations, at least three invitations, to give our attention, to give what we have, and to give outsiders a way in. That's what we see in our text this evening. But let me just remind you where we've been in our story. At the very beginning of Acts, Luke wrote... In my first book, which was the Gospel of Luke, I told you everything that Jesus began to do and to teach, as if to say, yo, part two is all the things he's going to continue to do and teach. But right after that, in Acts chapter one, Jesus ascends. And then in Acts chapter two, the Spirit of God descends so that his people might continue the work he began through Jesus's power and presence to everyone everywhere. Let me summarize what I just told you. Luke said, book one, everything Jesus began to do. Book two, all that Jesus continues to do. Even if Jesus isn't visibly on the scene, the works he's doing is still being continued through his people. This is remarkable. And this is what we've got to understand, what Luke wants us to understand throughout the rest of the story. Jesus, in the Gospels, was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now his disciples are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus taught that his ministry and his vocation was where the story of God was headed all along. And then Peter teaches the same thing multiple times. Jesus touched and reached out to outsiders, the lame, and the marginalized. And Peter and John and others will do that too. Jesus healed people, and Peter and John and others will do that too. Don't miss the story that you and I are still invited to live in, because the same power that rested and anointed Jesus is the same power available to you and I. So we can say that's what he began to do, but here's the work and the way and the power in Jesus' name that we can continue to live out as his people. So this story invites us to give to others what's been given us. We are invited to give our attention to give what we have, and thirdly, to give outsiders a way in. That's where I want to spend the next few moments. Hope you'll stick with me. That first movement is to give our attention. I love this quote from a French philosopher named Simone Weil. Her last name is spelt like Veil, but she says this, attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. Let me say that again. Attention is the rarest and purest form of generosity. Hey, thanks for your generosity in giving me a few moments of your attention. 
But here's a great question. To whom will you give your attention this week? To whom are you going to give your undivided attention to this week? Someone who needs it. This is why it's the rarest and purest form of generosity. I said this several weeks ago when our pandemic started, right? That our attention is our time and our time is our life. To give someone the gift of attention is a rare and beautiful gift to give. That's why I think as Christians in the neighborhood church, we've been talking so much about what we see in our nation, this whole Black Lives Matter movement. People are demanding attention. Our African-American brothers and sisters are demanding our attention. A form of love to give to these oppressed communities is our attention. To listen, it's a gift we're called to give. How about the people we interact with in our world on the margins? How inattentive can we be to those who are poor and in need, or those who are alone, who are elderly, who are sick, those that are out of sight so they're out of mind? The first invitation I've got to sit with at the beginning is that Peter and John gave this person attention. That's remarkable. You remember what we just read. Some friends would lay this beggar down at the gate. And how many people walked by him every single day? How many of us have just thrown some change to somebody, passed a water bottle out? But do we ever really look at some of the people requesting help? This is fascinating. Here he is at the gate every day asking But today, Peter and John saw him. And it's interesting, I made this note earlier, that the beggar saw them too. There was this human connection, this human contact. Y'all, listen to this question. This one is a big one, and I don't know if I can give it a sufficient answer, so why don't you sit with this with me. Ready? How often does a deep work of God begin with deep human connection. How often does the deep work of God, healing, power, just uh, illumination and clarity and discernment, the deep healing power and presence of God, how often does the deep work of God begin with deep human contact or connection? How many times in the healing stories of the Gospels does Jesus, is he moved with compassion? He sees them. He sees women who were unseen. He has attention to give. And then the deep work of God. We see this throughout the book of Acts. They see the people who are unseen. We see people look at us, Peter and John says, as we're looking intently at you. There are people that are unseen in our society to whom are we called to see because what is it that we're missing of the deep work of God because we refuse to make deep human connections with the unseen people in our world. Oof. Ouch. It's interesting, I mentioned earlier, they're walking to the temple at the hour of prayer. How many days did Peter and John walk by without really seeing him? But today, they saw him. I don't know why. We can 
fill in the blanks and maybe there was the Spirit of God moving them to see him. Maybe they were discerning. I don't know. I don't care. What matters is they saw him on their way to do the religious thing. I love what former, I think he's former, he might be current. Oh, forgive me, I should have looked this up. Will Willimon. He was a bishop in the Methodist church, and I've so enjoyed much of his writing and commentaries, and he says this about this passage. The path to prayer is a way that goes straight through, not around, human misery. It's interesting that they were on their way to pray and do the religious thing, but they're confronted with human misery and suffering, and they're attentive to it. Let me say what Will Willimon says again. The path to prayer is a way that goes straight through, not around, human misery. If it is distinctly Christian, if it is distinctly kingdom, we will not ignore suffering. We will interact with suffering through prayer and action. Jesus sees a suffering, struggling world and he enters into it and he dies and he experiences pain. Christian communities must never ignore human misery. We must with compassion interact with human misery and suffering. If you can't deal with suffering or make sense of suffering, even if we don't know all the theoretical answers, if you don't engage with it, you are not doing the Jesus thing. And this is a hard and weighty call you and I are called to interact with, not ignore it. Peter sees him. The beggar sees him. There's a deep human contact, and we're invited to really see people and to give our attention. Who are you going to give attention to this week that you might not have otherwise? Listen to the Spirit, open up your eyes, and see people as God sees them. That's the first movement. The second one is to give what you have. I told this story years ago in our church, and it's a story that was told to me even years before that. It's from a friend named Wayne. Wayne told me a story years ago about headed down, he was heading down to City Hall to do some business and he was walking up the steps in downtown Dallas and there was a homeless man that was doing what this man did in the book of Acts and he was asking for some help. He was sitting there on the steps. So Wayne walks past him and throws him a couple bucks, kind of, you know, sort of washes his hands of it and moves on to conduct his business. But this homeless man got his attention. The homeless man said, hey, thanks, but you think a couple bucks is really going to fix my problems? That'll get your attention. And Wayne, in a moment of clarity, looks at him and says, no, I guess it, it won't fix your problems. And then also in another moment of clarity, Wayne says, well, I'll tell you what. If you'll be here again, let's set up a time where I'll come back and let's start to talk about what might actually fix your problems. You see, there's a need with a little n, and then there's a need with a big N. And what Wayne had the wherewithal to see was I want to try to give him something more than just a couple bucks. I want to give him the good news about Jesus that can really fix the deep-seated problems when we surrender ourselves to him. Wayne, in that interaction and several others, got set down a path where he would work more and more with the homeless 
in this nascent ministry that became, became known as Our Calling. Then Our Calling got a building and the Bible studies and the resources all trying to reach the little end needs to help connect them to the big N need, the need for Jesus. And Wayne Walker now is the executive director of Our Calling. And their whole point of existence is for transformational relationships with the unsheltered homeless in Dallas. And they have a holistic enough gospel, the same kind of gospel that Jesus models and teaches and preaches that addresses both the little N needs and the big N need. The kingdom of God is the good news that Jesus has come to give us life life to the full and life eternal and forgiveness and a fresh start and a next step and healing all the big picture and need but it's demonstrated in all the little ways day by day in the ways he gives us daily bread and in the way his people meet needs in his name in his name underline that highlight that we got to talk about it because it's going to be a crucial theme in the book of acts and anything you do, whether it's meeting little N needs or big N need, if it's not under the umbrella of Jesus' name, we ain't doing what Jesus modeled and called us to. It's about words and works, a holistic gospel in Jesus' name. Here's why I'm doing it. Here's who I'm doing it with. The name of Jesus really essentially, I think, could be boiled down to this. It's being aligned with and an agent of who Jesus is and what Jesus does. The name of Jesus, let me say it again. It's being aligned with and an agent of who Jesus is and what Jesus does. Have you ever thought about why we pray in the name of Jesus in our church and others like ours? In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Because whatever we said before in our prayer, we do so under the umbrella to be aligned with Jesus and to be an agent of bringing Jesus' power and presence in Jesus' name, not mine. For God's kingdom, not mine. For God's power, not mine. On earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus. We're aligning with and becoming an agent of. What Peter gives is more than he asked for. And what Peter gives is more than a couple bucks. What I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus. Aligned with Jesus' purpose. And as an agent of Jesus. Stand up and walk. He heals him in Jesus' name. This is so powerful because this community that we see birthed in Acts chapter 2 really does continue all that Jesus began to do and teach. They become agents of the life and power and presence of Jesus. Do you believe that we could pray for someone and see a miraculous healing even today? Do you think if we gathered together and put our hands on someone like Peter and John, put their hands on him and lifted him up, do you think that that power is still available to us today? I do, because I've seen it. 
And we've shared stories in our church about healings that can only be attributed to the power and presence of Christ. Which is why the lame beggar, when he stands up, and imagine how uncertain he must have been. Are you sure about this? Dude, this guy's pulling me up. And immediately, this is no like physical therapy regimen. Immediately, his legs are strong and he's praising, jumping, as if to say he was healed drastically, dramatically, miraculously. So much so that he doesn't thank Peter and John. He praises God. I've seen it. Have you seen it? If you haven't, would you keep praying in Jesus' name? In our church, we say we pray believing that God can, asking that God will, and trusting that God loves us no matter what. We say in Jesus' name, I want to align with Jesus, who he is and what he does, and we trust him in this. But also, how we reach out to our neighbor matters in Jesus' name. We've got to give what we have. It's not just clothes, but it's in Jesus' name. That's why when we do our clothes closet, we are emphatic about who we're about. We're Jesus' people trying to pray and see God's kingdom come. It's in Jesus' name. How about you? When you give, when you serve, it's got to be this marriage of works and words. The work is the healing, and the word is in Jesus' name. It's indicative of we stand here in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. We ain't just some magician or twisting the arm of God. We are agents of who Jesus is and what he does. It's got to be both words and works. Now, when I'm going to get real practical here talking about giving what we have, let me talk to you. Maybe it's because I've been thinking about VBS, and maybe it's because we're spending so much time still in July at home with our kids as cases continue to rise, and we got to stay home to be safe. I'm thinking about what are we giving and imparting with the words and works of Jesus to our children. i got to tell you that so much of the life of Jesus is caught, Okay? That your, your kids are going to see you forgiving, loving, and, and praying and doing these kinds of things. Some of it, a lot of it, can be taught. How you relate to others and the poor. And that's why we do this holistic kind of ministry at the neighborhood church. We want to expose them to the ways of Jesus. And a lot of it can be caught. But y'all, so much must be taught. A lot of these kinds of things can't just get there through osmosis. We've got to teach them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he has said yes to them, longing for them, come to me, be a part of the kingdom. We've got to speak the invitation, and we've got to see every one of our kids as discipling future disciples talking in realistic ways about the time that they'll say yes back to Jesus. And here's how it looks. That reminds me of something Jesus said. That reminds me of something that Jesus is about. This in the news, how should we relate to this as Jesus people? So much of this, you know this, but you've got to be intentional. A lot of it can be caught, but y'all, so much has to be taught. We can't just expect they'll pick it up when I'm talking at them at church. And especially now when our children's ministry is providing you resources for home, 
You have time to have intentional conversations. Give them what you have. In the name of Jesus, can we disciple our future disciples? Jesus has said yes to them. Come, come. There's going to be a moment in time where we can, by God's grace and power and the Spirit's leading, invite them to say yes back to Jesus. But it involves some intentionality. And it's up to us together to be intentional with our children, to give what we have. So, ultimately, I love the ending of this story. We've talked about giving our attention. We talked about giving what we have. And now we're going to talk about giving outsiders a way in. Can you imagine how this lame beggar, every day laying on that gate, how he might have felt as soon as Peter took his hand and raised him up? I think about how on our men's retreat in the fall, a few of us did that ropes course and that zip line, and that was my first one. And I was all gung-ho about it until I was sitting on the edge of that tall tower, and all of a sudden it becomes real to me that I've got to really put my money where my mouth is, and I've got to take the plunge and trust that it's going to be strong enough. All of a sudden, he takes that step himself of trust and finds that God is strong enough. And like I said a moment ago, he who was on the outside had the wherewithal not to just thank Peter and John. They were just the agents in the name of Jesus. He knew the power was from God. He knew that God was acting through Jesus and through Jesus' people. So he's jumping up. He sees the strength. He sees the power. And he goes from the outside to the inside with them. Once he was alone on the outside, now he's within the temple, worshiping, praising with the community, and in particular with these two people who helped initiate him into this new kind of family. Woo! That's powerful. Oh my goodness. If we were face-to-face together, I would have loved to have heard some amens, but I'm trusting that you're there with me. So let me wrap up by saying this. He thanks God, not them, he moves from the outside to the inside. Of course, you, you all may remember that the temple is really just a series of concentric courts, open spaces demarcated by walls. He was on the outside, and the outer ring is the court for Gentiles and all kinds of people and women, people who were looking into the Jewish community. Then there is another inner court, like the concentric circles, for women and then even within that is a court for Israelite men who are ritually pure and clean. And even within that community, there's the holy place. And even within that is the holy of holies. It's so fascinating that there's always this idea of outside and in. There are people who are outside and there are people who are in. It's interesting that Peter and John not only give away for the outsider to come closer in to the presence of God and his community, but they walk with him. I think our church needs to be a community that's willing to walk with people from the margins closer to the heart of God, deeper in to the community of God's people, 
This is what mission looks like to everyone, everywhere. We've got to go out to the margins and then bring them closer to the heart of Jesus. Not where we want them to be, but where God wants them to be. And it's always this rhythm we've been talking about from the margins in, far out in. This is where we need to be. And the crowd is astonished and amazed. We're going to pick up how not everybody was astonished. A lot of people were angry because these outsiders are moving in and they're talking about Jesus. No, 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 no. But in this moment, the crowd is astonished and amazed because they saw that one guy who used to be there, now he's whole, he's healed, he's with us, he's closer to the presence of God. We are before and after people. We are the people who ourselves have seen in Jesus healing and life and light. And now we're changed. And so we go to the outside and we find more people in a before state. We give them our attention. We see them. And we give them what we have in the name of Jesus. There is good news. There is an invitation for life and forgiveness and healing. Say yes to Jesus. We give them what they have. And then we give outsiders away in closer and closer to the heart of God, their heart's true home. We give our attention. We give what we have. We give outsiders away in. We're all before and after people. And the Spirit of God loves to make more afters out of people who you never thought would have a chance. But there's no lost causes in God's kingdom. So how will you be attentive to someone this week? How will you speak and act in the name of Jesus this week? And how will you walk with those who are on the outside looking in closer and closer, step by step, toward the heart of God? where he wants them to be for their good and his glory. Let's close with the prayer of healing and comfort. We can't talk about a healing story in Jesus' name without invoking the name of Jesus over those in need of a healing touch. If you need prayer for healing, specific intercession for strength within or without, spiritually or physically, Please talk to your pastor here, Pastor Bud. We are interceding for someone in our community on a regular basis each and every night this week. We are a praying people in the strong name of Jesus asking for healing and comfort. So reach out to us. Reach out to one another. Let's close in prayer. Eternal God, to whom all may come through your Son, Lay your healing hand upon all those who are sick. Make your loving presence known to all those who are lonely. Give your strengthening power to those who are weak. May those who lack be filled. May those who mourn be comforted. May those who worry be calm. And those who seek forgiveness find it in Jesus Christ. And it is in his strong name we pray, the name of Jesus, amen. Go in peace.